Hey, hi, hello. You're listening to Tuned In Dialed Up. It is a podcast about podcasting, and we are in a different space. In fact, I am in Philly. Also, hello. This is Will. I'm one of your co-hosts today. We are in Philly for Podcast Movement, and I have three friends with me here this week joining me. Um, Gavin couldn't make it to Podcast Movement, but he is in our hearts, but alive. <laughs> Just pointing that out, he's also Not alive. Not yeah, it's the best kind of way to like remember a friend, which is to be like, I remember my friend and all the nice things that we did, and I'm going to see her tomorrow. Yeah, Period. exactly. Period. Exactly. <laughs> so why don't we go ahead and introduce ourselves? Um, so I'm Will. I'm one of the usual co-hosts here. Um, Eric. Go Hi, ahead. I'm Eric Silver. I am the head writer and DM and producer of Join the Party. And I'm one of the co-hosts of Horse, a basketball podcast that's actually not really about basketball. <laughs> and I'm really excited to be here and see Will in the meat space. Oh, hi, Amanda. I am a co-host of Spirits, which is a, a boozy tour through mythology, folklore, and urban legends. A, a player on Join the Party with Eric, and I founded the production collective Multitude. Yo, which both Julia and Eric are parts of. Yo. <laughs> hi, my name is Julia Shafini. I am the other co-host of Spirits podcast, and I also am the community manager and ad sales rep. Or Whisper Forge, which is a collective of audio drama stuff and things. Stuff. Things and stuff. <laughs> Great description. Stuff and things. Also part of Multitude. So I have you all here today. Um, one because I love you all and your works, and I think that you're wonderful. Um, but second because, as Gavin and I have started making tuned and dialed up, we've tried to talk about things that podcasters should be aware of, and things that they should think of, and we've kind of accidentally stumbled upon a mini series discussing social media management. Um, which is something that we interact with in a very specific perspective. Gavin and I are podcast critics and journalists, and we interact with podcasters in, in very, very specific ways. We've talked to listeners about how they interact with podcasters over social media, but I really wanted to get the other side of it and what you all think makes a great podcast social media account and how podcasters can best interact with their fans. I have talked about the Join the Party Discord like every moment I have the chance to possibly do that. <laughs> so much. So very much. So I much. think that would be a great place to start because um, all of you are on that Discord and interact with it. And I would love to hear about how you manage that community and how you make sure that it is a good and comfortable and lovely space. Also, if you could explain what a Discord is. I realize I'm intimately familiar. I am probably in the minority. If I could take one step back from that question. Lovely yeah. question. Great question. Thank you. Which is that... <laughs> When Julia and I first started, <laughs> why are you making weird faces? It was just like, <laughs> lovely question, great question. Just one second, though. <sighs> okay. No, but please. Something I said to uh, a person that asked me a question earlier today at Podcast Movement about how to build uh, a community. I was like, well, first start out by being a really conspicuous fan. And when Julia and I started Spirits, uh, Julia has run the Twitter for the duration of the show. And uh, she just from the jump did something that in retrospect looks really strategic, which is to talk about all of the shows we love. Yeah. And, like to pimp out audio dramas and to talk about what we love on, on other things and like to, to quote tweet people when they ask us for recommendations and like, you know, broadcast it to, to the whole thing. So that is, at least for me, where I come from, where I'm used to being like one member of a fandom. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start out with some shade right away. I don't trust people who don't listen to shows that are in their niche. Absolutely. That's one of the like primary advice that we give to, oh, to yeah. podcasters. If you don't like it enough to listen to it, don't make don't it. Yeah. Make it. 
Yeah. I just, I don't understand someone who's like, oh, yo, I make an audio drama, but I don't listen to all those other audio dramas. You know, they're annoying. Like, I, and- I started out listening to folklore and urban legend podcasts because yeah, that course. was something that I felt passionate about to the point where I thought, hey, I could do this because I'm doing this already. I'm yeah. so engaged in this community already. I might as well be creating a product. I was literally listening to Dungeons and Dragons podcasts as my job yep. before we started doing Join the Party. So I wholeheartedly totally hear you. Okay, so now I'm going to zoom in a little bit closer. Now that we move back one, I'm going to step forward one. Okay, so we started out by being a fan. Now that we have Join the Party, which is explicitly about like being a fan and interacting with Dungeons and Dragons and fantasy tropes and nerdy tropes, and we're trying to make the story and this game as accessible and fun as possible so we have a patreon patreon is great and a new thing that patreon has to offer is a relationship with discord discord is a chat room that like slack but this is specifically made for gamers so it's like you're able to have this really accessible nerdy community and you can like talk and you can video chat and it's like it's really easy to drop in links and all this good stuff so we're like hey we have a bunch of nerds who love D&D podcasts, who love the Adventure Zone, who love each other and love talking to each other and have terrible takes all the time (laughs) and maybe want to play games with each other, which is a really interesting thing that's popped up on Discords for Real Play Podcasts. That's literally happened for me. I I was going to say, Will is a prime example of that. Through the Join the Party server, I have actually formed a Monster of the Week group entirely with people from that server. Which is amazing. And like genuinely, as someone who is observing from the outside, your group is so excited about their campaign. Dude, and it so makes dope. me excited. It makes me happy about it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, it means the world to us. Like we, as Eric said, we created Join the Party explicitly to be a space that we felt was lacking in Dungeons and Dragons and like role playing games and also podcasts of those games, which is something that's, you know, like actively for queer people, for women, for people who have felt kind of excluded from Um, nerd spaces or from fantasy tropes and and things like that so it made all sense in the world for us to really prioritize um, making like an actual chat space that the people who feel at home in the niche of the internet that we're carving out can talk to one another and not just to us like to us the fan relationship has always been like two-sided it's not people idolizing an an idol and like the thing that can't talk back to them it's you know all of us hanging out in a space that we're so stoked to be a part of and the fact that like I happen to be one of the voices that they hear on the podcast that's like nominally at the center of this community is almost a, a side note. So yeah, I mean, the, the Discord is great. It's it's popping. We have like, you know, 200 or so uh, people in there that are not active users all the time, but we appointed mods pretty early on. Uh, people who were um, early in the Discord community and were really interested and like started out just by helping people, helping them orient themselves, um, were really active and present. So uh, we have Katie and Anne as people who can, you know, respond to questions, especially in a fan relationship where if someone's having an issue on the Discord or like has a question that they feel weird about, you don't want to bring it up to like the person whose podcast you love. So having someone who is a peer that you can bring that question to instead, um, I think has saved us from, you know, developing some like weird or toxic dynamics. Yeah. And you have talked about a lot uh, with the Discord that because you've created such a unique and like self-sustaining community, you kind of could just like let the mods do what they want and kind of let it run loose. And you don't have to be there perpetuating conversation or engaging so much. Um, You don't have to be there perpetuating the conversation and like trying to engage your fans because the fans are already engaging each other about your product and about things that they love. 
Yeah. Can can you expand a little bit on how you set up that community with those expectations and with that feeling of, of community and also kindness? Because I feel like, and granted, I'm not a mod and I've only seen this from a third party perspective, but it seems like the mods, they don't have to, to jump in very often. And when they do, it's well, I mean, sometimes it's like, hey, get in the right channel, because we are bad about that sometimes. But for sometimes. Listen. <laughs> but it's also I, I haven't seen too much, hey, there's um a little bit of unkindness in something that you're saying here. And what I have seen is very subtle. How have you set up that relationship with both your server and with your mods to make sure that that is the kind of conversation you're getting? This question is a little complicated because I think it's tied up in literally everything we do on Join the Party. Mm -hmm. So starting from the from the jump, we knew that this show was going to be accessible um, on a playing from a playing standpoint and from an audience standpoint. Like the wedding has two guys getting married. Um, the wedding being your first arc. Yes, in the, the in the beginning of the in the first episode, mm -hmm. if two princes getting married. Um, we have people of all genders and sexualities populating our story. We have invited people who don't necessarily know how to play the game to learn how to play the game by putting in like tool tips. So Amanda like pops into our episode and is like, here's a way Dungeons and Dragons as they listen to episode one and episode two. Um, so the people who respond the most to that type of accepting, open, kind story then just so happen to be accepting open, kind people. And then they become patrons and then they find the Discord and they're able to share dogs and <laughs> dog photos and recipes and recipes and gaming tips and just like what's going on another day. Um, and it kind of just extends from the people who found our podcast, which we can take credit for, for to some extent, but like our listeners are just like very good people and i think that sets the tone for like creating your community from the first step so when you are creating your podcast and you're thinking about how you want to display yourself on social media and just overall building your community knowing exactly what tone you want to set is really really important because like when amanda and i started spirits i don't think we understood exactly what our values for the podcast were going to be yeah. but we knew what it like we knew what values were important to us as people. And as people. And so by having these conversations that were just supposed to be like us at a bar having fun, we, you know, obviously we're going to look through stories uh, through the lens of queerness and feminism and mental health issues and all of that. And so making sure that that uh, reflects in our community is extremely important. And I think that definitely ties into how your community is kept together. Yeah, and we're also really selective about what we choose to amplify. So uh, both Eric Harenza joined the party Twitter and Julia Harenza Spirits Twitter uh, choose to amplify stuff that fits in. So like they'll quote tweet or retweet stuff that, that you know, listeners say to us that we think is lovely. Like if someone is mean to us or if another podcast like snipes our followers and tries to recommend themselves, we don't like call them out publicly. We mute it and move on. You know, unless it's like a recurring issue, then we may have to like, you know, deal with it. Yeah, I, um, I think that it's important to address issues if they're like totally repeated a lot of times. But in the uh, in the instance where it's like one person's like, I don't like this thing you do and I'm not going to listen anymore. That's not productive for anyone, especially when you're building a social media and building a community. And especially when it's often those kinds of comments are often about something that you cannot change. For instance, women talking 
Nah. What's that about? So, so many of our first comments when we first started was like, oh, these girls sound like they're from Clueless. And I'm like, thank you. That's a compliment. Thank you. Winona yeah. Ryder is a legend. And yeah. that's an excellent And movie. also, was she in not Heather's? in Clueless? No. <laughs> <laughs> so close. So close. Keep it in. <laughs> I, I had it. Wait, is it required in every single one of your episodes that you get something pop or culture every wrong? panel? <laughs> Listen, guys, I didn't choose this life. This life chose me. <laughs> But my point is that we uh, we try to model the kind of tone and behavior that we expect from our listeners. And early on um, in in the Discord to kind of wrap up that um, that bit, you know, there were a couple instances where like people were posting about stuff that bummed them out during the day, and right. that was in our kind of general or like random chat. And so we, um, you know, the hosts and the co-hosts here on Join the Party came together, and we thought like, okay, well, you know, we don't want to tell people they can't talk about like real stuff that matters to them, but we're also conscious that for the most part we're like a super positive like escapist community. So we decided to make a channel just for bummers, so people could talk about bummers and support each other and have a safe space to be like, blah, this sucks, but then also hop into the you know recipe channel and like talk about the quiche they just made yeah one thing that i love about that for people who aren't very familiar with discord yet is when you set up these other channels you can customize each channel for what kinds of notifications you're getting and what have you so for instance um i am a fragile small thing and sometimes i am emotionally uh, sad oh yeah and, me too. right so what's great about the bummers channel is that i can mute it and yeah. nobody will know. I just won't be present and I won't get alerts. And sometimes when I am feeling very um, emotionally robust and very, very well, I can just hop in there and give some nice, you know, some some well wishes and what have you without having to constantly interact with it. And that varies from person to person. Like sometimes people don't want to see recipes all day or like, I don't maybe somebody doesn't care about dogs. I can't imagine that. Yeah. Or but there like, are people whose pets have passed away. And so they've taken a right. break for a little while or example. people who, you know, struggle with uh, disordered eating. And so they might not want to participate in the channel. It's all about food. So, I mean, this is like, this is the, the, a platonic ideal of what content descriptions and, and content right. warnings can actually be, which is like, hey, you know yourself, here's some information, equip yourself the way you want to and like go on with your life. Mm -hmm. So right. um, I think your Discord is actually super well oh, uh, organized. <laughs> I love that you use folders and and for you as well, like there, you know, if I'm there as a podcast creator, I know where I can hang out. If I'm there as a podcast fan, I can do that too. Um, and you don't feel like you're missing out on anything or that you're missing any context because the conversation is you know, broken down a little bit where I can choose where I want to spend my time and I can choose to sidestep or to revisit places that, you know, aren't right for me in the moment for whatever reason. So we've talked a little bit about Discord. We've talked a little bit about Twitter. I definitely want to go into how you curate a Twitter in a bit. But first, I want to ask you if you think, I've heard a lot that as a podcaster, the best thing you can do is be on as many social media platforms as possible. You want to be everywhere. Yeah, I would love <laughs> I would love to hear your responses well, to that. I think that's true to a certain extent. Like I'm not going to get on Reddit any day. I have no desire to post anything on Reddit ever. But that's my personal preferences and I also don't think like our audience is going to be there. But I also think like exposing yourself to as many people and as many fans as possible is also important. Like I understand that, Hey, people who use Twitter might not be using Facebook or people who use Facebook might not be using Twitter. So as long as we're like getting our brand out there and like actually expanding and talking to our fans, that's important. 
Right. But there's a cost benefit analysis to that. Well, right? sure. Like if you're using a social media that you don't really know that well, I would give Reddit as a very good example. There are like unspoken rules to Reddit. Like it's fucking baseball. No, it's dumb. Or, or like a secret society where it's like you have to know the amount of time before you can post or your interactions on a certain subreddit and like your relationship with the red with the editors of that particular subreddit and how they wanted this relationship. And I'm like, I don't have time for this. And I know that D&D especially has a very robust Reddit scene. I lurk on that all the time. I love it. I think there's a lot of really interesting stuff to be gained there. But like, I don't want to invest that time. And I feel that way about a lot of social medias. There's also particular social media platforms that are particularly good for podcasters. Twitter is number one. And in, in, and interestingly, like Instagram is number two. And like investing yeah. your time into those two. Like, I think Facebook's kind of 2000 and late. Sure, but I think that Facebook also like harbors a discussion aspect with the groups. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, I'm such a fan of like, I totally agree with Julia that you should try to reach as many people as possible, but um, you should work with yourself and not against yourself. So instead of being like, hey, I'm going to learn how to do paid ads on Facebook because my Facebook page is kind of trash and I don't have time and I don't want to. Also, as someone who has done social media professionally, do not pay for ads on Facebook ever it's, it's a random. money trap it's a crap shoot. it's a money trap now that anyway. we've all agreed on that yes um <laughs> sorry instead of instead of like making myself learn a platform i hate and don't want to deal with maybe instead of using a facebook page i use a facebook group where our listeners can talk to each other post memes like give lovely comments recommend stuff and tattoo parlors and like whatever else they're asking about and like i can move on with my day yes um so similarly like we do instagram not on any kind of regular schedule but when we have a good image to post, which maybe is not strategic, but it is the way that it fits into our lives. Um, Twitter, though, I think is an exception. Every podcaster should be on it. And it's like the the foundation of the podcasting community. To be fair, I wasn't on Twitter before we launched Spirits. And I learned Twitter as we went for the Spirits account. And honestly, like, I think I'm better for it that I didn't have any like sort of preconceived notions going into it. So I don't think you should be afraid just because you don't use a social media account. But if it's something that totally stresses you out, like Reddit, what does for me, mm-hmm. don't do it. Don't your, your mental health is not worth sacrificing in order to get a certain like population of an audience to listen to your show. Yeah. I think especially in the audio drama world, there is a big push for Tumblr, which makes a lot of sense. The fan community there is, is, big and it's very active. Um, I can say though, as somebody who was on Tumblr for a long time and wrote reviews there for a long time and have since left, it's a great platform for certain things. It was very unhealthy for me, like, like really deeply unhealthy for me. And since leaving, you know, I have maybe dropped in numbers, probably not really. I've become more active on Twitter, um, but I am certainly much happier (laughs) and you don't have to, even if that's perhaps where your audience lives, you're still a human person and you need to take care of the human person that you are. Hey, I have a question. Since you're a human person, how much should you post on Twitter? I just can't figure out how much I should post on Twitter. I think you should do, this is my personal preference and opinion. I think you should do three original tweets at most on Twitter each day. Because I don't want to plug, like, I don't want to clog people's timelines up. And I feel like if I post a lot, that's when people unfollow us the most. 
the exception to that rule being Myth Chat Monday because I don't give a fuck and also it's fun. Can you talk about Myth Chat Monday? Oh, yeah. So I honestly think that most podcasts should have some sort of like recurring theme on social media. Absolutely. So like Myth Chat Monday for us, um, Far Away Fridays for the Farmer Radian, yeah. uh, Star Trooper Saturday, anything like that. Um, and I think that having something that the audience can look forward to each week or like whatever day out of the week, like Eric and I both do. Eric does an amazing job on Mondays with his, um, his, uh, I hate Mondays, Garfield D and D shit. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's very fun to do. Exactly. Like as long as you're like having fun with it, like keeping up with a certain thing throughout the week is really important. Like I really enjoy doing our, um, classical meme Fridays. Oh, they're so which, like, good. I wish I had a they're better so name good. for it. So good. So good at it. We, we brainstormed a few, but we didn't really land on like a great one. Yeah. I don't tag them with as yeah. anything. It's just something that people know to look forward to on Fridays. But Julia posts an image of, uh, like classical art by women artists and has a very relatable, like hashtag relatable caption. Like, when the guy at the bar starts explaining Spider-Man to you yeah. <laughs> or whatever, which is um, an actual thing that happened to me, which before. has actually happened to me and Julia while we were together and we were like, Oh, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, like that's kind of, you know, marketing 101 is like, if you're going to be on multiple platforms, give people reasons to be on those multiple platforms. Um, and like, don't just post links to your episodes. I'm sorry. That's trash. Don't God, do it. Please like, don't just, do it. Just don't. It's so bad. Um, like, again, if you don't want to do it, we can probably tell. So, my personal feeling is like, especially when you're starting, you know, claim the account for yourself. You know, like if you don't want to post an Instagram, claim your username on Instagram mm -hmm. so no one else can. And then like have a static image of your art being like best way to find us is on Twitter mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. direct people to where you actually want to be. So like have a presence, but you don't have to fill it with things that make you feel awful inside. And then your audience can probably tell that you don't want to be there. For example, on uh, on Facebook pages, you can like messenger, you can Facebook messenger to pages, yes. um, which was at first okay, but two and a half years after starting Spirits. It's the bane of my existence. I just oh, can't no. deal with it anymore. And it was it was too much for us to do. It didn't fit into our workflow. People tended to send us messages that were like too long to respond to like tweets, but too short to respond just to like emails. emails. So we just put an autoresponder on it and I figured out how to do an autoresponder after a brand sent me an autoresponse and I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, everybody, Facebook Messenger can do that for brands. It can yes. do an autoresponse. It's fantastic. So we have a message saying, thank you for for reaching out. The best place to reach us is on Twitter or via email. Period. Yep. Like people, again, are welcome to message us, but we redirect them gently. Um, and, you know, I want to be doing podcasts 10 years from now. And the only way that I'm going to get there is being able to have a sustainable pace um, and team members that are happy and fulfilled and not, you know, stressed out about being on a new platform. Also, we've genuinely seen an uptick in emails and on Twitter because of that automatic. Which is where system. we want to hang That's out anyway. where we want to be yeah. there anyway. Like work with yourself and not against yourself. So we've talked a little bit about um, Myth Chat Mondays, um, the Classical Art Friday. What I love about all of the socials for all of your shows is that they they aren't, like Amanda said, they're not just, hey, we have a new episode. You actively post about things that are relevant to the content of your podcast, where Join the Party will do tweets about D&D &D that are like ridiculous and hilarious. Spirits will tweet about mythology, things like that. To me, this is a very obvious way podcasters should be marketing themselves, but I don't think that it's something a lot of people think about. So how, how did you first off, come to this conclusion. And second, how do you curate those tweets? How do you keep generating those tweets? I always try to do at least one original tweet a day. I would say minimum, 
is one maximum is three and like you can retweet people saying nice things whenever as much as you want but one to three so the way that i prepare is i use tweet deck and i am a massive trash person because i have <laughs> access to like four different twitter accounts but tweet deck is really great because you can make columns for like anything that twitter has functionality for you can make one for like a specific user you can make one for their notifications for likes only for quote tweets but you can also do searches mm. which is amazing so I search hashtag D&D, which is where everyone posts all of their Dungeons & Dragons content all the time. So like I can just see fan art or like dumb jokes or game tales or anything that you might put in there. And I'm like, oh, retweet. Like I want to like, yeah. cu- I want to curate um, a place where interesting Dungeons & Dragons stuff is, but I don't want to like steal content like everyone else does. Right, right. Like take screenshots of things that they find Ugh. on Reddit and Twitter. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't, don't do, do that. that. Like don't reposting do that. is terrible. Don't do that. Like yeah. there's just a retweet button. Just hit that retweet button. And like even when I feel kind of when I'm super busy or I don't feel like I'm have anything interesting to say, I can just like retweet all day. And I'm like, all right, well, the social media account is not people know we're there. And I think that's right. enough. Searches is also a really good way to be uh, kind to yourself in this garbage fire of a world that we live in which is that you yes. don't have to like be scrolling your timeline all the time in order to run your business. You can use, uh, you know, searches. You can make lists of people that are only related to your uh, podcast life or to the content that you're uh, doing stuff about. Um, like, don't be afraid to be specific. Like, put in a little bit of work to make a list or make a column or figure out tweet deck. Um, you know, it might be uh, frustrating up front to learn things that you don't know about. But if this is like a challenge you're dealing with, like me, um, it is it is really worth doing so that you can stay, like Eric said, you know, present and around for your fans, but not have to like tax yourself in an additional way. Um, I will, I'm going to sound like an asshole for like a hot second. <laughs> um, I don't curate spirit stuff as much as I used to. And that's because fans send us stuff. And like, I also think, I also think that it's really important that you listen to your fans when they send you stuff. So like, I am excited when someone's like, oh, this seems like a really spirits article. And I'm going to quote tweet that article and like add a comment to it. And also thank that person for sending it to us in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's building the community exactly. thing that we were talking before. There's nothing wrong with getting content from other people. Right. Like, just make sure to credit them and make them feel good. Exactly. Uh, it's, my assholey thing was more like, I'm not searching anymore because people send us so much shit. No, I'm like, so good at Twitter that it just comes to me. Hmm, shady. Y'all talked about muting people if they're being assholes and et cetera. How, how do you differentiate assholes and people who are trying to be constructive? And how do you, how do you best manage having healthy fan interactions over social media? Because that can be tricky for a lot of people, especially new podcasters who I think stumble into more success than they were expecting. My immediate reaction is always to get defensive, which is why it's really nice to have someone else to bounce things off of. Like I'll send messages to Amanda to be like, this person commented this. What do you think? LOL. Is it worth responding? Mm. Yeah, and most of the time I'll say lol mute or I'll say uh, thanks, bye, or okay, block thanks. time, <laughs> block and run, mm. chock a block. Because, like, honestly, when it comes to social media, unless they are genuinely a fan, unless they are bringing something that's genuinely constructive criticism to the mm-hmm. table, that is obviously something we can change or else, like, correct in a way that will help affect future episodes, I don't owe them time. 
I genuinely do not owe them time. Yeah. No, you really don't. Yeah. If they are uh, telling us why they stopped listening, I'm sorry, but that's not useful information. This is not an airport. You do not need to announce your departure. Oh, hey. (laughs) I like it. I like it. So I know that it probably feels intuitive to find the line between constructive criticism and somebody just being a shithead. Um, But I... I feel like sometimes that's not actually the case for some people, or sometimes it is harder to navigate. Are there any guidelines you have or any, I guess, advice you have for podcasters trying to figure out that line? I mean, it does genuinely help to have someone to bounce this off of. Be like, hey, is this like legitimately an issue or is this person just being an asshole and getting like over defensive about a thing? Absolutely. Yeah, I have the same problem. I just want to light people on fire and then I just (laughs) take a second and then I don't. I also think that I deal with it a lot less because we have three out of four guys on our podcast and Amanda uses a character voice sometimes. So I don't deal with it as much. I think a lot of the uncritical stuff is just people dumping on marginalized groups. Mm -hmm. So it's like just boy bye. And I mean, I, I think things that people bring up are useful to discuss. So you know, Julia and I, you know, in our first year and then joined the party in its first year, we've come across like different flavors of things that people like to comment on. And so, you know, if people are talking about the, listen, if people are talking about um, us mispronouncing a word that we say one time in one episode, that's not useful to me. Like, I'm sorry that Julia mispronounced a name of a 3000 year old Chinese deity. Like, what are they expecting that you're going to go back and just like pipe in? And this is how you sit like, come yeah. on, people. So that is not useful to us. And I I hope that people who engage with stuff that they love online don't uncritically follow media and just praise it all the time. But think for a minute, like, if I got this feedback, would this be helpful to me going forward or not? But if someone says to us, listen, I love the hometown urban legends that you do and I want to see more of it. Or, hey, you know, I uh, am not that interested in hearing more about, like, ancient Greece or whatever. Um you know, we, we are interested in hearing what our audience thinks and then we can take that information in and either respond to it or not. Um, so to me, it's really like everything is worth talking about, even if it's me and Julie being like, wow, another man over 40 who doesn't like to hear women use the word like shocker, (laughs) you know, we can have a little bit of venting among ourselves, even if we don't end up responding to that person. So, I mean, to me, it just kind of comes back to like model the behavior that you want to encourage from your audience. Yeah. So in the same way that Eric and Julia will quote tweet great stuff that people send us, um, that not only, you know, shows our audience cool stuff, but also shows our audience that we like it when they send us cool stuff, you know, like, like right, it's, a, right. it's a cycle that perpetuates itself. And similarly, if, you know, Julia and I spend a lot of time dressing down folks who have opinions that like the rest of our audience probably already doesn't share, it's not useful and it's not positive, which is the thing that we actually do want to Yeah, and I think that's kind of foot-and-mouth syndrome that a lot of podcasts do sometimes get when people are critical towards them. Yes. Uh, And even if that criticism either does or doesn't have a valid point, bringing it up and exposing your community to that sort of negativity does not jive well with me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm interested to see what's going to happen with Horse, honestly. Me too. Yeah, so that's Mike Schubert at the helm. Michael Schubert, as I call him, and now people call him that, which I love. Mike is at the Twitter helm for Horse, and he's dealt with a wild amount of shit from his Harry Potter people. Really fervent fans who want to tell him <laughs> that he's wrong. The entire podcast is pr- of Potterless is predicated on him getting things wrong. Right, so I right. don't understand why the people are so surprised. Anyway, with <laughs> so, so, <laughs> sports, <laughs> the true, right? 
Like the yeah. whole thing is like, like I, I'm whole not concept. informed. That's so the here's concept. the podcast. Yeah, the concept of the podcast is a man who's never read Harry Potter reads Harry Potter and talks about it. And so people will tweet him stuff like, wow, I can't believe that you got the color of this person's robes wrong in that oh my scene. God. Or like, wow, you're so wrong and you don't even know why yet, lol, no spoilers, you're wrong. Like, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad hey, that you're excited. let's talk about for a second. Genuinely, I'm God. glad that people are so excited about it. But that being said, like Mike has a huge personality. His personality is like a 12 out of 10. Yes. And so that you know, to a certain extent, I'm not like victim blaming him for being like Harry Potter's plain dad. Wow. That was such a 2018 sentence. I can't even tell you, but he also like, he takes it in good fun. He has a really like robust sense of self and is not as sensitive as I personally am. So he is able to like have fun with it. He's turned like his biggest embarrassment, which was Thinking that Ludo Bagman was Voldemort. Um, No, that Ludo Bagman was the bad bad guy guy of book five. Oh yeah, shit. I'm sorry. You're right. It is Goblet of Fire. But he's turned that into like the biggest in joke of the podcast. So, I mean, I think I have he, a poster. Yeah. That There's is literally, literally merch. Yeah. yeah. I literally have merch based on the fact that he fucked up that bad on a, on a prediction, mm-hmm. but that's what makes the podcast good. And like, the, exactly. again, that's right. the and that, whole concept. That is his tone. That is what he does. That is what the social media is like. That's what the show is like. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not what I want to do on spirits because right. we talk about like our experiences with depression and also like myths uh, that involve, you know, subjects that we're not going to be like super flippant about, which is not right, right or wrong. Right. That's just different tones. Well, right. And I think that's what makes multitudes so successful with their um, with our uh, social media aspect is because the people who run the shows are the ones who are behind our social media. Absolutely. And the tone of the social media is going to maintain the like tone that it has because whoever is the one running it is the one who's talking on the podcast. So. Right. So the thing that I was saying yes. now that we understand what Tubes deals with. Yes. Horse. He's dealing with sports and, you know, the idea, there's this idea that the P- only people who like sports are like dudes and like this very small sliver of women who like are super devoted to their fan bases and like will tear you apart and have very strong opinions about the things that they care about. Right. But we've already seen that since horse is made so that people who don't necessarily love sports or know a lot about sports can be invited into it if they just have like an idea of pop culture and just like drama and like human interaction it's like the the community surrounding the show is going to pull in a lot of people and i want to see like how everyone bounces off each other and i want to see like the amounts of criticism that we're going to get and like then we're going to have to deal with how to deal with them Mm -hmm. and i think with horse there is also in sports, an idea that it's not just bros who like basketball and sports. It's specifically hyper-masculine men. And you're coming from a, from a perspective of very earnest kindness and excitement, which is not like, those are not traditionally masculine traits. Um, so I'm really curious about how that is going to bring fans in and how that's going to affect your social media presence. Because I can imagine, one some initial backlash because people are assholes. But I can also imagine that you're going to be getting some fans who are either finding themselves represented for the first time or fans who slowly change their perspective on what a sports fan is and maybe become a little kinder themselves. I hope so. I really have no idea what's going to happen. Like we've only released the first two episodes and pretty much it's been like (laughs) <laughs> the nerds from multitude being like i didn't know anything about basketball and then i listened and you guys are hilarious that is true <laughs> which i love and i love all of you so much but it's like we haven't like mined deep into sports fandom yet and i want to see what happens there and then we'll take our approach i think 
I wonder if it's going to happen because I was anticipating this with Join the Party where it's like we are diving into nerd culture and I was waiting for like those nerd bros to get up all up on this. Right. But I guess like we have this really kind community of like queer nerds who keep us afloat. So uh, and that never and that never really popped, which is what we were talking about at the beginning of this episode. So I'm interested. I, I want to see what happens. But if there's anyone to deal with it, it is Mike with his uh, <laughs> hilariously uh, flippant gifts. Blatant enthusiasm is what Mike <laughs> brings to the table with yeah. all of his Twitter accounts. So I want to just one last question before we head off into recommendations. Um, do you think podcasters have a responsibility to keep watch over their fan base and how their fan base communicates with each other. This is something that I've been thinking a lot about since basically since I left Tumblr. I left Tumblr. This isn't really a mystery. I I talk about this sometimes. I left Tumblr Tumblr largely because of the fan bases surrounding Welcome to Night Vale, The Adventure Zone, The Black Tapes, and The Penumbra Podcast. Um, Some of those- last two surprised me. Oh, they do not for me. I I mean, well, it makes sense, but like you're going, you're going from massive to much smaller. Well, I will. And that's, that's part of it. I think is half of those shows are managed by people who are rather hands off on social media in general, because they have to be, because they're massive. Some of those, that's not quite the case. Um, and I will say for the black tapes and the penumbra podcast, um, largely that was because I am vocal about not liking everything that they do. Um, and I don't post in the tags or anything. I'm not an asshole, but they find me, you know? Um, so I, what responsibility do you think podcasters have, if any at all, to monitor those spaces and curate their fan base within that? Do you think that that is something where podcasters should be completely removed from the conversation or do you think they should have presence? I think it's important that podcast creators set the tone but you can't police your fandom, which is like, you can only say, hey, this is what we feel. This is what we believe. This is what the show is ideally for us. And the way that the fandom runs away with that or the way that the fandom embraces that is completely out of the creator's control, I think. Yeah, you asked earlier a little bit about the uh, the ethics of the fan-creator relationship. And there has been a lot of really wonderful, like, philosophy and scholarship written about that uh, dynamic like through time from like Victorian fan fiction and Sherlock mm-hmm, and stuff mm-hmm. through to now. But one of the the tenants that I hold most dear is like you need to let fans have private spaces. And the, the you know, downside to that is that also toxic dynamics can develop. So someone who I think negotiates this super well is Lauren Shippen. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, who is active on a bunch of platforms, including with a ton of fan art and like uh, amplifying and reblogging, retweeting, et cetera, fan works, but only when they tag her. Like there are, it's not hard to like find, you know, shipping tags of the bright sessions right, or, right. you know, kind of informal fan tags on Tumblr or places on Twitter, community, you know, Facebook communities, whatever. Um, and to my knowledge, like she, and she, I think has really healthy boundaries and really only interacts with fans when they want to interact with her. Um, and that goes both ways. Fans need to let creators have space and, uh, thinking them as, as full people with Join the Party. I think something that helps is that after every episode of our audio drama where like our personalities are there, it's like half in character, half, you know, discussion. Um, but after every episode, we have a really informal after party where we talk about what just happened, our thoughts as like people and listeners and players, not just characters. So there is already that dynamic of like, yes, there's a thing that I love, but also there are people who make it. And I think that again, encourages folks to think of us as like individuals making a thing that we don't 
think is perfect and we're doing our best. Um, and so some of the, the difficulty can develop when there's, you know, just a, a work that is completely like removed and people venerate it and um, creators don't want to engage with it much, which I understand. But that I think is where there's some kind of a vacuum where there's not a lot of like, you know, flaw that fans can glom onto that the creator owns. And so they're left to like, you know, and we, as a, you know, speaking as a fan as well, like we are left to be like Harry Potter, why, you know, <laughs> and, and all we have are like these missives from JK Rowling about blah, blah, blah. Right. History. Right. Um, so it's, it's, it's tough. I, I know I'm just kind of talking, but it's. <laughs> Amanda has a lot of feelings about fandom and I appreciate that because that's how we grew up in, yeah. in the fandoms. So in the fandoms. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say about tone. Everything Julia said was what I was going to say. And honestly, when creators try to wade in, it gets messy. Mm -hmm. It gets way more complicated and it doesn't do what they think it's going to do. Yeah. So I would rather not. And it's like you can make a public announcement, but like I'm not going to go in and like get into someone's DMs or get into someone's replies. Right. Yeah. I think that's where we come back to like kind of the foot and mouth syndrome. Yes. Engage if you think that it's something that you can genuinely be doing better. Uh, but if it's not constructive and you don't think that it, and you think that the reaction to that is only going to be negative, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I just wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Not to use like militarized language here, but it's about, you know, winning the war and not the battles. Like it's not yeah. about making this person believe that I am a good person. Like if I am invested in what strangers on the internet think of me as a person or think of my work, um, I'm probably not going to be happy because that's just a thing that I can't control. Um, but what I can say to myself is like, do I feel like I represented myself honestly? You know, do I yeah. feel like I am proud and that Julia is proud and Eric is proud and like our team is proud of the work that we do? Um, and if if that is true, then I can say people who love it, I know that they love it for the right reasons. And I know that they like love a thing that I'm trying to make. Um, and if they don't, if they have problems with it, if they want to leave or if I was trying to like make a thing to appeal to all people, but wasn't actually what I loved. And so then I had like tepid react anyway, you know, you just have to like have a North star and, and go for it as hard as you can. Um, and I don't know, like I, I hope and our experience so far has been that people will kind of sense that sincerity and follow along. And I think as a creator, that's a really hard mindset to be in. It's really difficult. Right. Like that idea of, of, but what if they don't like me as a person? It's hard to move past. You know what? Like, honestly, there, and I've tried to tell myself as someone with like really bad social anxiety, there are going to be people in this life that do not like you for a reason that you will never convince them of otherwise. And so you kind of, as a creator, that's like a hundredfold. So yeah, you just kind of have hard. to accept that and just move on from it being like, not everyone's going to love the thing I love. No, not everyone's going to love the thing I created. Not everyone's going to love me for the person that I am. And that's okay. As long as I'm not hurting anyone with the thing that I'm creating, it doesn't, it, it just, I don't owe that time. Again, I do not owe that time. And what I have found is that while initially having a wide following of people who really, really like you seems like the best possible response to oh, a creation, no. oh, it's no. much more no. about the deeper connections you will you will find by being authentic and getting away from that idea of having everybody like you. Yeah. And you know, like that's that's easy to say as people whose podcasts have like 
vibrant audiences that we're really proud of and that are a good size. Like, don't get me wrong, I would love to have more listeners. But, uh, you know, I, I give Julia a lot of credit in particular because, like, I have been making shit on the internet with for like 11 years um, with my face in it and with my voice in it. And so... Yeah, it should be noted. Amanda's also a YouTuber. Yeah, so I, I started very early in, in the YouTube community um, where you learn very quickly to deal with very personal insults or people who are like, you seem like a bitch, I'm not gonna watch your videos, you know? Um, and so I developed... <laughs> the fact that anybody yeah, would say yeah. that to you is no, so it's, bonkers. it's wild. Uh, but <laughs> I just kind of show you, I'm like, I am a bitch, correct? <laughs> <laughs> but like my sense, like my, my um, I don't know, sense of what is... Uh, what am I trying to say? My scale of behavior on the internet is pretty wide. Um, Julia, though, this is you know, the first project with your voice on the internet, yep. you know? And and so um, you've had a kind of much sharper, uh, like, acceleration to yes. this kind of life than than I have. Um, like, Eric, you know, performed slam poetry for many years and got direct reaction in the room, in the moment. Oh, like, yeah, big same. That joke Go wasn't that good. Um, and, and so it's, you know, it's, it's hard to develop that. And so I, I hope that creators are all, um, you know, not expecting themselves to be completely well adjusted with it in in the moment. Uh, my therapist and I talk very often about how when I encounter somebody else's reaction to me, it's not always about me. Yeah, huh? yeah, you know, it, it's, it's sometimes really not their own thing. Exactly. For sure. So it's it's an ongoing project, but it helps to have friends again who can like be on your team, even if it's you know a a partner, you know a family member, a friend who doesn't make stuff on the internet to be like, you know, just validating you. And just like how infants learn expressions by mirroring expressions that are made at them, like you need someone to validate, like, am I, I'm not crazy here, right? Or like, hey, this is not important, right? Um, and so, I don't know, I'm I'm very much a person who's like, I don't need anybody, I'm a lone wolf, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> like, uh, that was a fiction I told myself before I started making stuff online. Oh man, same. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, uh, it's really important to have people in your corner. Everyone likes me and I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, oh. <laughs> I don't know. This, this is unrelatable to me. I meant it just takes the microphone away from him. No, no. I'm actually curious though. Like Eric, you have a really strong sense of self, and that is not a backward compliment. Like I, I feel like I, I am saddled with a lot more self doubt than you are saddled with. But like, do any of those comments? I don't know. Do any of them count? Or like, how? Like, what do you say to yourself when you read something that you know could sting, but you know is either someone else's problem or not a thing you care about, or um, you know, not important enough to to change your behavior? At this point in my internet creating life, I feel like the thing that stings more is like the silence of not having a large audience as compared to the nice people who say nice things. I feel like I don't get, and again, this is the gender and the marginalized thing division, but like I don't get a ton of shit online. No one says that I have a shitty voice. It just doesn't happen. So that's just, let's put that out there first of all. But I think that the thing that, that frustrates me, and I say this all the time, and you, Amanda, know this, but like I, I'm i just like, why doesn't as many people who listen to the Adventure Zone listen to Join the Party? It sounds better. It and does. it's just as funny. And yep. I put a lot of feeling into it. The answer mm -hmm. is you're not a McElroy, but yeah, exactly. That's I mean that's the answer, and there are answers, that, and I cannot do anything about it. Right, and that hurts me more, and that's frustrating. That like more, it's more about changing my lifestyle to meet the amount of work and time that I'm putting in there. Like I wish I was a full time podcaster. I wish I could do this, and it could be my job, and it could pay for things, and I could be like a little bit famous. That like the lack of is harder for me to deal with than 
yeah, the lack of audience and like popularity. And this isn't to say that like I don't think that jo- join the party has exceeded all of my expectations. <laughs> and I think that horse is gonna be fucking amazing. I'm so excited about it. But it's like there is always gonna be a level of creative work where like you need to be validated by economics and by magnitudes of fandom. And it's just like it, that's more crushing on me as like an artist a artist class person living in a capitalist world where like my brother is a finance person and my mom told me to go back to teaching for like years when I was trying to get a radio job. Yeah, but what are the stats for an artist class person? What do you mean stats? <laughs> no, no. What are the benefits to being an artist high class background? Uh, being dope and having high charisma. All right. That's what I figured. <laughs> I wanted to make sure you had a charisma. But listen, I mean, it's it's hard to expect out of the world the amount of caring that you put into it. Yeah. And this is where I think fan dynamics come into play as well, where like fandom is characterized by enthusiasm and arguably an, ab- an overabundance of enthusiasm. Um, and for me, trouble has, has occurred where I as a fan expect the creator to care as much as deeply and in the same way as I do about the thing that they make. Um, and so that kind of, you know, that, that can be difficult and disappointing for a fan. It can be hard for a creator to try to match that. Like, you know, what a person finds the thing that a person gets out of my work is not in my control. Um, and similarly, like I can pour all of my heart and caring into a thing that I put into the world. And, you know, some people are like, yeah, that's cool. So it, I mean, it's, it's hard. And like, that's the fundamental like vulnerability of being an artist. Um, and it's, it's not something that I think anyone has solved. I don't know anybody who has like the perfect level of fame or like the perfect size of audience. Right. Um, and I don't know, like, it's, it's just a, for, for me, the, the journey is really like, accepting what I have, being grateful for what I have. And if I feel a, a lack or, you know, something else that I need, like trying to find it in places that I can control the outcome, you know, and, and not the, not the size. You are that four star iTunes review we got. Oh, Misogyny's like, fucking bonkers. And it's like, <laughs> the review was like, I love the podcast, but like Anara like speaks too fast. She talks she, too much. When, when Anara, she speaks too fast in her character voice and I don't understand what she's saying. And I'm like, yeah, that's called fucking character. Brandon sounds like a robot. How do you yeah. like, what is your problem? <laughs> so yeah, that's it. Well, let's move into our recommendations for the week. No, we didn't do Shining Moment at the beginning. No, we didn't do Shining Moments. That's let's, okay. Let's do Shining Moments okay. first. So let's talk about our Shining Moments from the week, um, first and foremost. Mine is going to be podcast movement. I've been Ooh, here all bow, bow, week. Bow. Um, though, I mean, like, if if we're going to be real, real here, my Shining Moment was this amazing sandwich that I had mm-hmm. from this place called Denique's. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was so good. But, I talk to you about sandwiches all the time. Well, oh, don't worry. Fucking good. But... Mostly it's been podcast movement. I have learned a lot here. Um, I don't want to go into it too much because my brain is so full. Um, but I'm going to be writing an article about it for Discover Pods, so look out for that. Um, what about you all? Shining moments? Shining moments? Eric, I think you might have one. I do. Ooh. My shining moment is that I released episodes of a new podcast. <laughs> it is called Horse uh, that I am hosting with Michael Schubert of the Potterless Podcast. <laughs> Uh, it is a basket. I laugh because that's not how you fucking say it. It is. It's Mike Schubert. <laughs> Schubert. <laughs> it's very Schubert. Schubert. For, for the first episode, I listened and I was like, have I been fucking it up? And then I remembered who you are. And I was like, eh, I'm fine. <laughs> 
It's also funny because we were walking around the convention center earlier today being like, he's back at it again. La Croix. And like <laughs> mispronouncing La Croix as like a French supervillain. La Croix. He's uh, Sherlock Holmes's of. Checks out. <laughs> so, so, the French one. Totally off, totally off topic. But Talk about your dumb podcast. <laughs> my dumb, dumb podcast. Horse is a basketball podcast where we talk about everything except for wins and losses. We're getting into like internet drama and beefs and weird history and ranking things and like pop culture and movies and television shows and commercials and all this stuff that surrounds basketball. I love talking about this stuff. I love having important takes on things that matter absolutely zero. It's like <laughs> we're having outsized discussions about like literal just like dudes who are under the age of 35. <laughs> and I find that so funny and fun. And talking to Shubes about it is just the most fun thing. And I think that Horse is bringing in a lot of different people, people who love sports, people who know about sports, but like have it engaged with it or like, like me, yeah. I know a sports exists it conceptually. Mike is really into the fact that like he doesn't really listen, he doesn't really watch prestige television mm -hmm. because he just has the NBA. He right. says that literally all the time. Yeah, and I love telling people weird stories so that they can like regurgitate it later, even though if they're not like sports adjacent, because you need to like just know about sports to live in America. And basketball is a good place to start. So, like, I like informing people about this stuff. And I'm really, really excited about what horse can be. And I have really high hopes for its future. Yeah. It it's, is very good. It is genuinely a very good show. It um, really is. I screamed at my phone when Eric suggested that Ben Franklin would be the best person to put on your basketball team. <laughs> it's Despite true. the gout and him being about 5'6". Uh, sorry, this man fucks. That's why you need him on the show. <laughs> Gout. He's got literally gout. He used to have prisoners carry him to the Congress so that he could vote on shit. Can I say, though, that you need a guy on your team who just fucks? Like, who has Listen, unlimited ben charisma. Ben Franklin can be the goddamn manager, but you want Thomas Jefferson, who is like 6'4". No, no, no. Here's the thing, though. He needs to be on the team, so at least he can, like, there's the possibility of him coming in and something having to, like, deal with him oh he's the bill murray then is what you're yeah, saying he's okay. like in bill murray's face jam no he doesn't lead he just fucks right. <laughs> and that's why you need ben franklin jesus team. amanda do you have a shining moment <laughs> is bill murray in space jam? yes <laughs> it's funny he shows up at the end yes and just like shows up for like 10 minutes yo i'm here to help he's in the beginning and then he shows up right at the end he's like oh i can help because he's like another corporeal body mm -hmm. and then he's like <laughs> he's all right I, re I retire from basketball Correct. he literally Perfect. says that <laughs> thank you bill murray is he bill murray or yes is he he's character? bill murray plays golf with michael jordan in the beginning of the Correct. of the movie like to demonstrate because this is like michael jordan's real life he had retired are we from basketball. really talking about the plot of space jam i will tell right you about now. space jam later. <laughs> okay 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 we'll we'll catch up later yeah i mean mine, mine is kind of related which is uh so we launched multitude our kind of umbrella uh name for all of our pods like seven or eight months ago in the middle of like the most stressful work uh year i had ever had a bunch of like personal change and upheaval most good but some not uh, and it was just like the the like busiest and most chaotic my life had ever been. And I wish that I could have like put months of like careful preparation into doing it because I believe in it so much. I believe in my friends and my colleagues so much. Um, but it's sort of had to be like the minimum viable uh, podcast collective to like get out there. Um, but this was the first show that we launched as a collective. Um, 
And it was so exciting to see everybody in our Slack just like have really good ideas and show up for it and amplified on social media. We like found or or decided rather, you know, a week or so before the show came out to drop the first episode across everybody's feeds and everyone recorded personal, um, you know, takes like the host of that show recorded why they're excited about it. And so we just like did it in a way that if I saw someone else do it, I'd be like, yo, good job. And that's the first time I've felt that way um, about work that Multitude does. And I'm I'm just, I'm so uh, proud of the people around me and um, every time I've like asked Eric and Julia and other Eric and Mike, um, and Allison and Connor and Kelly and everybody for, um, help, they have more than shown up. And so for my, uh, lone wolf introvert, uh, not group project, uh, having do the person, project myself, <laughs> I will do the project myself and give it to you at 6am before school starts tomorrow. <laughs> it, it's been a, a really good and important and, and lovely and heartwarming lesson. Mine's not a multitude thing. Is that okay, guys? <laughs> <laughs> um, I listened to the first draft of the season finale of Tides this week, like literally last night. How 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 much is it going to kill me? I made myself cry. What? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Fuck. Julia, is the tide coming in or out emotionally? Oh, bo- that's oh, quite a question. I can't. I can't <laughs> reveal that information. <laughs> Oof, that's very exciting though. So it's it's the first season is wrapping up. Mm-hmm. This is uh, one of one of the audio dramas that you're in. This is yes. one that you star in. Yes. Um, it's been a roller coaster of a season already. Yeah, that's really exciting. It's really exciting. I'm very excited about it. We're uh, we have like a bunch of stuff that we're going to be releasing in between uh, season one and season two, which a lot of like really funny mini episodes that are actually hysterical and like i've like i've legitimately sat in on recordings that i am not in because the amount of ridiculousness that happens in them was worth sitting down just to hear the different (laughs) takes but um i'm really excited for the world to hear it and you're gonna hear it soon too so whatever um well i guess uh, it's good that we're recording this now because you know i'm alive still yeah that does help. <laughs> when we when we wrap this up, I'm going to put headphones on Will and show her the first two minutes of the oh, tides fuck. thing. Oh no! <laughs> Let's have some wine okay. at the happy hour first. Podcast recommendations, right? Yes. Oh, cool. I'm being, I'm being Will right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, because I'm 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 so sleepy, so I need the help. Yeah, let's jump into our podcast recommendations. I want to do mine real quick because I will forget otherwise and do something else accidentally. But because it's really relevant to the conversation, I think that everybody who creates content, we will call it, um, anybody who creates a work that goes up online should listen to conversations with people who hate me. It is a Night Vale Presents show, which um, is a little bit bigger than I usually try to recommend here, but I have been really loving the newest season. So conversations with podcast with... <laughs> conversations with podcasts who hate me is me and Gavin's shit-talking oh, podcast man. about Gimlet. Get me on that <laughs> Discord channel. Come for me. I'm ready. <laughs> Yeah. I live in Queens. They're never going to come slack. for me. The amount of times at Podcast Movement I have said loudly, fuck Sandra. Like, I've said it <laughs> so many times. Will, I saw someone walking around with a Habitat tote bag, Ugh. and I got mad for you and Gavin. <laughs> Thank you. So Conversations with People Who Hate Me is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. Um, in it, Dylan Marin, who is an online creator, he does, um, he's 
Carlos on Welcome to Nightville, but he's also a YouTuber and uh, he does, I've seen like Facebook videos of him before too, Yeah, where he does unpacking videos and he unpacks things that are uh, concepts. So things like uh, cultural appropriation. And he's gotten, you know, a lot of shit for that being like a Latino queer man. He's got that great YouTube series where it's every person of color speaking in a movie. Oh my and God. And they're like so oh, 30 seconds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. So in it, basically what he does is he goes through his comment section, finds people who have said heinous shit to him. Like, I mean, fucking heinous shit. And he calls them up and they have a conversation about it. And this goes back to what we were talking about before, where um, oftentimes if somebody is saying something heinous to you online, it is not about you. And that's what he goes into is he talks about their problems and he unpacks those things. I think probably one of the most famous ones is uh, he starts the conversation off and then he asks, it's like a high school guy. And he says like, how has high school been for you? And the guy says, oh, it sucks. It's horrible. I get bullied constantly because I'm fat. And Dylan says, I too have been bullied. And they have a really beautiful heart to heart about it. And again, it's just, it's that idea of people can say awful shit to you. And even if they still stand by their political stance or whatever stance they had, it's probably about them. It's not about you. And it's a great podcast for learning how to Julia. I'm at Colt Cabana today, so I'm going to recommend Tights and Fights. <laughs> Tights and Fights. Podcast. Podcast. Mike Eagle, okay. Mike Eagle has written a dope uh, intro song for Tights and Fights. Mike Eagle, the rapper, who is wonderful. Uh, open Mike Eagle, which is such a good fucking rapper name. Real good name. Fuck. That is a very good name. Um, but anyway, it's I got into wrestling because my fiance started watching it when we moved in together. Uh, when I would sleep in late on Saturday mornings and he would just be awake because he's an early riser. And I walked in and I was like, what the fuck is this shit? And he's like, oh, this is Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt having a battle over the fact that Randy Orton burned down the cult place that Bray Wyatt lived in. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is this shit? sign me up and so <laughs> just like got into it in the way that like i feel like most adults do mm-hmm. in the sense it's like what is this dumb shit tell me more about this story that you're trying to tell and then just got like really invested in the performances and like from a writing perspective it's really like genuinely wrestling is such an interesting aspect of writing hmm. because it very much relies on immediate fan reaction to storylines oh yeah yeah yeah. you go out there and if someone is cutting a promo and they are doing a bad job of it chances are you are not going to see that person next week sense anyway so tights and fights is a really interesting really good uh wrestling podcast super woke hosted by um open mike eagle and daniel radford who are both uh people of color danielle is a queer woman of color which is excellent and then hal lublin who does good impressions about stuff (laughs) 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 um but but genuinely it is a really really great show um i i don't follow wrestling as closely as i used to because um because uh eight hours of wrestling each week is a little bit too much for me just like of that's a watching a lot of wrestling that's a lot Um, high barrier to entry but the uh the the show really encapsulates like the important stuff of the week and stuff like that. And I really appreciate it. And it's genuinely really interesting. And when they do dumb shit on the show, they either address it in a way that is like really important and like really dives into the issue or they're just like, um, WWE did really stupid shit this week. We're going to ignore it. And we're going to talk to this wrestler who has this to say for people starting out or about the business and stuff like that. And they do a really good job of taking care of their audience, which I really appreciate. Nice. Yeah. Amanda. 
I found this really great podcast uh, recently called Know You Go. It is uh, three women who work in uh, various like professional fields here in Philadelphia. Local local tie in here. Uh, So one works in like user experience design, one works in publishing. Um, The other person I think has a tech uh, career as well. Um, And the three of them are friends who talk about and interview their, their colleagues and social circle about like being professional women. Um, and it's everything from uh, the you know intricacies of like how do I work remotely and run a farm and also a mm-hmm. consulting business um, to like being moms, uh, some of them to just like uh, being freelancers and sort of trying to have career advancement, even though you've been a freelancer for the last like six years. Like, what does that mean to try to like level up and be better? Um, and for me, it's really exciting because it's like a, you know, business self-improvement, like interview kind of all these things that I'm really interested in, but I can't often find content that speaks to me, um, or that doesn't like use buzzy buzzwords that Mm -hmm. that turn me off and make me sad. Um, so these women are like genuinely interested in each other. They have really interesting guests. Like they have a huge social circle of people in different fields who have really great stuff to say. And they're also like five to 10 years in to their careers ahead of me. Um, mm-hmm. so it's, it's really cool. I've heard enough 25 year olds talking about media. Like I, I want to hear right. some people who have like been through some stuff and like have had careers and have made some choices and like seen their big gambits be good and bad. Um, and so it's, it's for me, I, I don't know. I feel like I have, uh, these older sisters, you know, or, or like cool young aunts who are, um, talking to me and showing me that you can still be like a dynamic and interesting person and like have a baby or like have moved to a new city with a spouse and like found new friends and like be dope. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's really cool. Kind of like life fast forward. Nice. Eric. I feel like this podcast is directly opposite to Will's podcast. <laughs> so this is like interrogating the darkness over there, Ooh. but I'm going to talk about wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Yow. Yow. <laughs> Play with us. Play with me in the Face. As you can tell, literally all of us in the room are fans of Wonderful. Yeah, it's a very good show. Play with me in my playhouse. <laughs> Wonderful is from Maximum Fun, hosted by Griffin McElroy and his wife, Rachel McElroy. I will start out by saying I love everything the McElroys do. Griffin yes. is my favorite. Yep. Come at me, Brandon Grugel. Who is Brandon Grugel's favorite? Yeah. Justin. Oh, I'm a fair. Travis. I, God, I just switch between all of them. I love them all so much. I know. It's They're all wonderful. Fair, fair, fair. Yeah. I love Griffin. Griffin is just like a energy engine. Oh, I should talk yes. about what. The, let me talk about what the podcast. I'm gonna get into <laughs> Okay, wonderful is very straightforward. Griffin and Rachel McElroy talk about the things that they love, mm-hmm. and this can be as like big as it can be huge. It can be small. It can be super specific. They talked about Bud Light Lime. They mm-hmm. have a poetry corner. Yeah, <laughs> I have found my new favorite poem from their poetry corner. That Bob Hickok poem, A Primer. Oh, so good. oh my God, it's amazing. So good. Yeah, and also like they talk about Sufjan Stevens. Yeah. It's great. They talk about music. They talk about video games. They talk about everything they personally love and then they share things that other people love, which I really like. Mm-hmm. I want to get into the reason why I love it. Yes. Griffin McElroy is my favorite McElroy brother. He's just like a total engine of weirdness and hilarity, but wonderful podcast works because of Rachel McElroy. It's so true. She, if Griffin is like a tidal wave of energy, she is just like the driest desert to soak him up. <laughs> she looks at him in the face and is like, huh? <laughs> yeah, I love this person and he's ridiculous, but also there are all these things that I am good at 
and I want to share I want to share it with everyone else. And she also has like the softest, nicest, sweetest little voice. And it just makes me really happy. And you know what? That's actually one of my favorite things about Wonderful is if you listen to other McElroy products, you're hearing Griffin talk to his brothers and his dad right. and stuff like that. You can hear the change in his tone of voice yeah, when he so talks sweet. to Rachel. And it genuinely makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. Their dynamic is unreal. It's incredibly loving. They bounce off each other in a way that you just don't hear in the other podcasts. Mm-hmm. I feel like Travis and Teresa are very much on the same page when they do schmanners. Right. I feel like there is a very like smart doctor, dumb Justin relationship <laughs> yep. in Correct. Sawbones. But like they're very much like in sync and working with each other on Wonderful. Uh, Rachel does the poetry corner and yes. she is a, Rachel spends a lot of time taking the things that she loves and she's good at and sharing with other people because like everyone knows things that Griffin's good at right but, like what is this person who lives in Austin and is married to this guy like what does she bring to the table and she brings a whole lot and she literally has an MFA in poetry yeah. like yeah. she so she one thing that I love this is I'm gonna be such a poetry nerd but like I have studied a lot of poetry too and I have also been in the slam scene like Eric has but I love that she has an MFA in poetry and all of the poetry that she brings is like the most accessible poetry out there and she doesn't frown at that and that is not something you get from academia and she just so genuinely loves that and it just feels really good. She just talked about that in the last Poetry Corner with that language poet oh, who was very great. much just like you got who it was this like, thing this is the a whole poem. Poem. this yeah. is a poem yeah the poem all revolved around like academics tearing down poetry and like right. reading too much into it and she's like yeah i also like this poem because it's also weird and also looks at different ways to look at poetry and even though griffin's like wow i'm griffin here's a poem. <laughs> she's a, she still keeps a straight face and i really appreciate it and uh thank you rachel mcelroy for making so i realize we forgot puns so if you have, I don't them, think we forgot. No, we we're, okay. we got it. Well, we we didn't forget. Um, okay, I actually kind of wrote it down. The Here one thing go. that I the one thing I did forget uh, in my recommendation corner is I forgot the show that I found recently. <laughs> Come oh, on, guys, do tell Amanda. We see I'm pulling really up your about phone. It. No, I'm just checking on the recording. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I I also love poetry, but this is a podcast about math. And it's this really gorgeously scored and edited podcast investigating the history and meaning of like algebra and mathematical operations and stuff like that. And they have a killer staff of reporters and the host has the most soothing voice. Um, But occasionally they'll do one about prime numbers. That is so freaking outstanding. It's 99% divisible. I hate you (laughs) and I knew exactly what it was going to (laughs) be. Mostly it's about non-prime numbers, but sometimes the room is silent, which is how I know my pun was so good. <laughs> yeah, you know, I also heard of a really interesting oh podcast. Yeah. Uh, so Radiotopia has a new offering from Helen Zaltzman. Uh-huh. And I, we know Helen Zaltzman loves words. Well, she does. Did you know that she loves super obscure? Um... <laughs> <laughs> really? Really? But did you know that she also loves super obscure software games? That you just play for hours and hours and hours and you get totally, uh, totally de- dive in and dive into. And um, she actually has interviews with like the people who make it and like other people who also love this game. It seems like it only revolves around one particular game. And uh, I'm really excited to bring to you The Illusion Mist. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Helen Altman loves Mist. Oh my God. Dude, but like, I would so listen. That sounds like my dream podcast. <laughs> You're hurting me. <laughs> I thought you were going to say The Illusionist, which is Helen Zaltzman ah. interrogating the history of magic, which would well, also wow. be fucking awesome. Yeah, I'd also it would to that. Be really I thought good. of that, but I wanted to take it a step forward. I, 
So I I have heard of an audio drama recently. Oh, have you? Oh. <laughs> We're the I don't worst. think it sounds very good. Uh-oh. It is about a woman. She is a scientist in modern day, and she accidentally invents time travel, and she finds herself back in, like, the dark ages. And all she's got to her name is she um, she barters, and she gets a, a pair of oxen, um, and she has to figure out what to do with them, but she doesn't fucking know how to deal with animals, and it's called Ours Pair of Oxes on. Oh my god. <laughs> or Ox Paradoxica. Shh. Ox Paradoxica! Uh, my Much god. better. You did it. <laughs> I did it. Um, I have, as I mentioned in the interview, have very bad social anxiety. So, and I get overstimulated really easily. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I don't really enjoy doing is going to concerts. But I really love music, and I really like the concert experience when I'm not completely overwhelmed by it. You sold this so well that I was like, I know, I'm with yeah, you. Me, same. Yes, <laughs> we also. So I so I started listening to a podcast where these guys go and they kind of review concerts and stuff like that, and it's really really interesting. But the only problem is the next day they've been screaming so much, so that the problem is their voices. <laughs> they get the name for the show. It's called Horse. <laughs> Everybody, this has been tuned in, dialed up. I have another one. Fucking bring it. Fucking bring okay, it. Okay, do you know that there is... <laughs> I hate you. My favorite kinds of jokes are when Eric interrupts himself halfway through the joke <laughs> to start laughing at himself. Did you know that there is a company that is really invested in podcasts and ad sales? and But they're actually doing a really hard pivot. It turns out that audio uh, is too, um, it's too feminine. And they're really trying to bring like masculinity back. Uh, so they're doing this huge pivot, and they're just going to make, like, dude shows. And it's going to be about, like, beef and, like, <laughs> driving and sports. And it's called Manaply. Jesus. I hate it. That's my worst That's nightmare. Good. Jesus. That's I did it at the end so you could cut it. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. But this has been tuned and dialed up. Thank you all so much for joining me. This has been really, really lovely. You can find me at Will W. Writes. That's W-I-L-W underscore writes on Twitter. I write for Discover Pods and Bellow Collective, as well as my own site, which is WillWilliams.Reviews. You can find the show at... Hey, Gavin, put our socials here. <laughs> Isn't it just tuned in, dialed up? I think it's at tuned in, dialed up. It is. Hot? Nope. Nope. Just tuned in, dialed up. I'm pretty sure. You got me. Listen, guys, that. delegation is really important in podcasting. <laughs> You can also find us at dialeduppod.wordpress.com. Actually, it's dialeduppodcast.wordpress.com. That one I had in the bag. <laughs> Close, but no cigar. Hey, it's Ceiling Fan Gavin. The people who aren't on my podcast got my socials better than the person who's done every other episode of this podcast. It is at tuned in, dialed up. And I'm quite surprised that Will got the harder one to remember right, but not our fucking Twitter. <laughs> Where can we find the rest of you, Eric? You can find me on Twitter at L underscore Silvero, E-L underscore Silver with an O. That would be my name if I was a Lucha Libre wrestler. Um, (laughs) Why aren't you, though? It's the question. (laughs) I know, right? I could totally do it. Uh, You can find Join the Party at Join the Party Pod, or you can find Horse at Horse underscore Hoops. And as we say on Horse, because at Horse Hoops was banned. (laughs) (laughs) i still have the twitter handle i claimed in 2009 because i can't get my actual name so my twitter is at she's so mickey and multitude is at multitude shows so that's a good place to get all of our individual info and shows and whatnot um we also make a lot of resources i try really hard to write 
stuff to help make this less hard for other people, um, as well as Eric for joining the party and Julia contributes to things from spirits as well. So that's at multitude.productions. There is a link to our resources. We also consult. If you want to talk to us like this about your show, you can do that. Um, and links to all the podcasts. Yeah. Uh, I am at Julia Shafini. Mm-hmm. I'm also at juliashafini.com. Mm-hmm. And I also work for Whisperforge, which is whisperforge.org. Perfect. Easy. Simple. If you need any of my other things, Will knows them. Yeah. I do. And if you want the classical art memes at Spirits Podcast, hang out with us yeah. on Mondays and Fridays. Especially. Also, like, my audio drama shit. There's a lot of them. I'm not going to list so them many. out. I'm going to link everything I can thank you. in the <laughs> show notes. Julia's been on a lot, y'all. Well, thank you all again. And thank you all for listening. Bye. 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 Play with me. Bye. <laughs> Play with us. <laughs>